Wait a minute, 99. That gives me an idea. Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. Live long and prosper. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am GamerDude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today I'm going back to one of my favorite topics, television. Longtime listeners know that I spend a lot of time talking about television, and that's because I spent a lot of time watching television when I was growing up. Hey, I still spend a lot of time watching television. What can I say? I love television. Yeah, I do other things too. I play video games. No, I actually go outside. I do things. I go places. I read books. I read magazines. I work outside. I do other things too. But I've always loved television. And that's why I talk about it a lot. And quite honestly, television is a huge part of all of our lives, although it has very different forms now. When I was a kid, television was just television. It was TV broadcast by one of the three major networks or on your local stations. That was it. That was TV. And that was our escape. We would sit down in front of the TV and watch one of those six or seven channels that we had, and that was all there was. Television now, in my opinion, includes all of the streaming services that you can watch on your television or on your tablet or on your computer or on your iPhone or whatever mobile device you have. That all counts as television to me because you're still watching something on a device and the fact that you can carry it around in your pocket just makes your TV viewing easier. When I was growing up, we had to go sit in the family room and make sure we had dibs on the channel we wanted. I was going to say wrestle the remote control from your siblings, but when I was a kid, we didn't even have a remote control. Imagine that for a second. Just that little thing. Think about that. Do you know how to change the channel on your TV without a remote? Or as my dad called it, the clicker, because it actually made a clicking sound in the early remotes. But do you know how to change the channel without a remote? When I was a kid, there were no remotes. I was the remote. If dad wanted the channel changed, he'd say, Gamer dude, put on channel four, please. One of the running jokes when I was a kid was that parents had children so there'd be somebody to change the channel because we didn't have remote controls. If you look up a picture of an old TV, there are two dials on the front of the TV, two big dials, in addition to some knobs. The knobs, and when I say knobs and dials, the knobs are small little things that you would twist to turn it on and off, to adjust the contrast, the brightness. With color TVs, you would adjust the tint and the color. The dials would change the channel. And there were two dials because they had the main channels, which were VHF, very high frequency channels. That's what VHF stands for, very high frequency. And those would be the channels from 2 to 13. Don't ask me why. Those were the numbers on the dial. And then the other dial was the UHF dial. UHF meant ultra high frequency. I know very technical terms, but that's what we grew up with. But VHF channels were the main channels, and UHF channels were broadcast at a much higher frequency and didn't carry as far as the VHF channels. And when I say carry as far, the signal started in New York or Philadelphia or whatever city you were near. Those were the two big ones in my case. And the signal would go out through the airwaves, not over a cable and not over a Wi-Fi network, but just out there in the air. And that's why you needed a TV antenna to pick up the signals. And VHF signals were stronger than UHF signals, so you got more VHF channels. So the VHF channels were the main channels. And if you were closer to a city, you would get a UHF channel. And the UHF channels would start at 14 and go up through, I believe it was 96, if I remember correctly. 
But you didn't get 96 channels because, especially where we were, we were too far away from anything to receive any UHF channels. We got none. But UHF channels were usually like public broadcasting, universities, hospitals, anything that would put out a little signal. You might get channel 67 from Columbia University or something like that. And I'm just making that up. I don't know. But those were very low-powered outlets, and you never saw them if you weren't in the city. But I digress. The point of all that is, in order to change the channel, you had to get up and turn the dial. So if you wanted to change from 2 to 4, you had to get up and turn the dial from 2 to 3 to 4. Click, click, click. It was literally turning a dial. And I emphasize that because I know it's such a foreign concept these days. Nobody changes the dial. TVs don't have dials. If you'd have told me when I was a kid that every single TV created when I was an adult would have a remote and would not have a dial, I wouldn't have believed it. It was a technology that was just beyond my ability to comprehend. And talk about flat screen? Some of you probably have never even seen a tube TV. I grew up with a tube TV, those giant boxes with a tube in it. Imagine a box from Amazon where you've gotten a case of paper towels, for instance. That's a big box. Now imagine that box with a giant glass tube the size of that box filling that box. That was the size of our TVs. And not only did you have the tube, you had all the electronics and the transistors and everything else that was in there. Those suckers were heavy. When I was an adult, I was finally able to find a 36-inch tube TV that I could afford because they were very expensive. And I could only afford it because I was getting it used. And a 36-inch tube TV required me to get one of my friends to help carry it in from the car. Two full-grown men could barely carry a 36-inch TV. They were so heavy. We had a special entertainment unit with reinforced shelves to hold it because the weight was so heavy, and the shelf held it. But yeah, you needed a lot of support for a 36-inch tube TV. By contrast, a 32-inch TV that you can order anywhere today for about 200 bucks you can carry with one hand. It's crazy. It's crazy. Now, when I was growing up, the bigger the screen, the better. I grew up with a 25-inch screen. That was a huge TV for when I was a kid. As I'm recording this, I'm looking at the monitor for my computer. It's a 23-inch monitor. And as I sit here thinking about it, I go, wow, that was a huge TV when I was a kid. Now it fits nicely on my desk. But having a family watch a 25-inch TV, that was the ultimate in TV viewing experience back when I was a kid. And that's why I was so excited years later when I could finally afford a 36-inch TV. That was a huge TV. Huge. And what's funny to me now is people like to stream their TV shows, their programs, their movies, their videos. They like to stream them and watch them on their 11-inch iPad or their 5.5-inch phone. And I mean, I do it, but that's not the ultimate way to watch a program. Not to me. I'd much rather watch it on the big screen. So it's weird the way it's changed. And I was talking about TV being all the things that we view. YouTube is TV, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, YouTube puts out programs. Watching videos on Vimeo is watching TV, as far as I'm concerned. TV has evolved into these short-form videos. Yes, they have long movies, too. But the TV experience these days is pretty much anything you watch on video, as far as I'm concerned. Whether it's a 30-second YouTube video, a 15-minute Twitch highlight, or a six-part miniseries on Netflix, it's all TV. And I really love seeing the way it's evolved in my lifetime. It's really wild. It's so prevalent and so different from how I grew up. 
One of the interesting things about TV to me, too, is how it's a mirror of society. Obviously, because we're watching people in our world acting in a drama, a comedy, a mystery, whatever. But what happens in the shows that we watch can be a political commentary on the state of the world, but is also a commentary on what the world looks like. What's going on in the world? What people are wearing? What people are thinking? What people are doing? That's another reason that I like to watch current TV, because it gives me a view of what's going on in the world. Not only what people are thinking, but what's fashionable, what the popular music is, what the popular clothes are. But that's also one of the reasons that I like to watch old TV shows, shows that I used to watch when I was growing up, or sometimes shows that I never watched when I was growing up. But I watch them now for a couple of reasons. One is my views have changed. The things that I find entertaining are different now. So sometimes watching an old show is informative, and sometimes it's because I appreciate something now that I didn't really appreciate when I was a kid. The other reason that I like to watch old shows is it's nostalgia. It reminds me of what it was like when I was growing up. It also reminds me of things that were important or things that were going on or what the fashions were or what people were thinking or what the politics were like. And I like watching those old shows for that perspective, too. Because if you watch some of the old shows and then you watch some of the new shows, you can see some similarities between stuff that happened in the 60s and the 70s and stuff that's happening now. You can also see, sadly, some of the same fights are being fought. But you can also see some of the changes that have happened over the years as well. Now, I don't know if you're a big fan of the TV shows from the 60s or the 70s or the 80s. Some people like that. Some people watch it just for the fun or just for the perspective. And I've said before, there are some really dumb shows from the 60s and the 70s and the 80s that are just not worth your time. But even some of the dumb shows give you some perspective on what things were like, how the world was changing. And they also give you a snapshot of the way the world looked back then. And that's one of the things that I wanted to talk a little about today, too is some of the stuff from the 60s and the 70s, if you look back at some of those shows, you can see them there. You can see these elements in TV shows. I guess they're kind of like tropes. We've done several TV trope episodes. I'm not sure these are as much tropes as they were elements of the TV shows from the 60s and the 70s, some of which you can still see in shows, but some of which have disappeared because the 60s are gone, the 70s are gone. But in some of these old shows, if you go back and watch things like The Love Boat, Starsky and Hutch, Adam-12, Gomer Pyle, Mannix, The Rockford Files, I Dream of Jeannie, Mary Tyler Moore and The Bob Newhart Show. Any of the shows from that era, the 60s and the 70s, you'll see things that were just staples of the world at the time. And you'll see some of the origins of stuff we have today. And you'll also see some of the bases for some of the thoughts that your parents have and your grandparents have, because that's what they grew up with. Like a big thing in the 60s that's featured in a lot of TV shows, the hippies and the counterculture. Now, for perspective, from the 50s to the 60s, there was a huge change in society. I'm not going to go into the politics of everything. There was a lot of political things going on, the Vietnam War, the Civil Rights Movement, the assassination of Kennedy and Martin Luther King and the other Kennedy. There was a lot of stuff going on that changed the world between the 50s and the 60s. And the hippies were a symbol of this countercultural revolution. It was an attitude that we're not going to follow the norms anymore. We're not going to get the crew cuts and the button-down shirts and the khaki pants and the penny loafers. We're going to do our own thing. And associated with that was the drug movement, LSD, and mushrooms and other hallucinogens. Marijuana, of course. So if you watch shows from the 60s especially, late 60s, early 70s, You'll see references to the hippies and this countercultural revolution. 
You'll see some of these hippies advocate drug use as a way to a higher understanding of the world. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll was a big thing. The sexual revolution was a part of this. Free love was a concept. The idea of having more freedom to have sex whenever you wanted to, outside the bonds of marriage, was just coming into fruition in the 60s and the 70s. Before then, if you had sex outside of marriage, especially if you were a woman, oh, no, 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 no. That was bad. You can see the double standard, too, if you look back at some of the old TV shows. It was okay for guys. You kind of looked the other way. Was not okay for girls. That attitude still holds today, by the way, for some people. Far too many. But that's still a belief. But the 60s and the 70s and the 80s changed that. Looser attitudes towards sex. The prevalence of drug use. And that dreaded rock and roll music. I mean, the Beatles on Ed Sullivan was huge. The Rolling Stones came into being. The Beach Boys. David Bowie. Woodstock. The biggest rock concert of all time ever. So all of this stuff... You'll see snippets of in the TV shows from the 60s and the 70s. All of these attitudes. And in shows like Adam 12, for instance, which featured two police officers on their daily grind in Los Angeles, you'd see the clashing of the establishment versus the hippies. You'd see talk about the violent protests, the anti-war protests. You'd see stories about the hazards of premarital sex. You'd see young people butting heads with their adult parents. You'd hear the hippie music and the psychedelic music. Oh, the psychedelic music was all twangy and kind of had a Middle Eastern or an Indian undertone to it because that was weird to white-bred America. But that's the stuff that you would see in the TV shows. That's how they would show what the culture was about and the cultural wars that were going on in the 60s and the 70s. So if you watch those old TV shows, you'll see those tropes, I guess, for lack of a better term, the crazy hippie, the druggie, the burned-out rock and roller. They're all there. And that was just one of the commentaries on the way the world was at the time. But TV wasn't all politics, of course. It wasn't all political commentary. There was things that popped up in TV shows that were just a fact of life at the time that we look back on and go, yeah, what's the problem with that? But at the time, it was unique or weird or scandalous, depending on your viewpoint and how old you were and how open-minded you were. Now, I remember as a kid seeing miniskirts on TV for the first time. Now, a miniskirt was something that came up to somewhere between the knee and the thigh. And depending on how daring the woman was, it could be a really short skirt. Now, this was scandalous to a lot of people because in the 50s, in the 40s, there was a modesty level where the skirts were at the knee or below the knee. So seeing something like a miniskirt and this rebellious attitude to the way people would dress, that was all over TV in the 60s and the 70s. Now, we look at that now as kind of quaint. I mean, the skirts and the outfits on TV now are nothing. Literally, nothing. The stuff that we see on TV these days would have been banned in the 60s and the 70s. A miniskirt is quaint by today's standards. But back in the day, oh, those miniskirts, they were trouble. Another thing that was scandalous back in the 60s, really scandalous for guys, the hippie haircut. Or not even the hippie haircut with the long hair down to the shoulders. If you looked like one of the Beatles, that mop top that they had back in the early 60s, Oh my God, you were a hippie just by having that haircut. Because don't forget, in the 40s and the 50s, everybody kept their hair short, clipped above the ear, above the collar, combed, held in place by a little brill cream, which was kind of a gel at the time. It was the early hair product. Their motto was, brill cream, a little dabble, do you? You put a little of that in your hair and you held it in place. And so every guy had their hair carefully combed, nicely parted, clipped above their ears, very, very short. When the Beatles showed up in the 60s, 
Oh, those mop-top haircuts? <laughs> you couldn't get a job interview if you looked like Paul McCartney. You just couldn't. Their hair was way too long. They were clearly rebellious. You didn't want that kind of attitude in your company. Now, these things that I've been talking about, the hippie thing, the miniskirt thing, the haircut thing, these were all part of something that became a major plot point in TV shows and in movies. It got a name back in the 60s, but it's really been around forever. We just put a name on it then. It's called the Generation Gap. It's always been around. We have it now. The generation gap is the difference in viewing the world between people my age and people my kids' age. There's always been a difference. Let's be honest here. Your parents have always viewed the world differently than you do. My parents viewed the world differently than I do. My kids view the world differently than I do. Those different views account for the generation gap. But this difference in views was so pronounced between the parents from the 40s and the 50s and the kids they raised who grew up in the 60s and the 70s that they named it the generation gap. Is it a difference in values? Yeah, I guess. Is it a difference in the way we look at the world? Yeah, I guess. Is it as a result of older people being stuck in their ways and kids wanting to try new things? Yeah, 100%. Now, not all older people are stuck in their ways. And not all older people are stuck in all of their ways. And not all younger people are unwilling to see things from their parents' perspective. But by and large, if I had to bet, I'd bet that's the case. Older people are stuck in their ways, younger people are stuck in their ways, and that's why there's a generation gap. But on TV in the 60s and the 70s, it was always depicted as this very stark contrast. And I'm going to refer you to All in the Family, the TV show with Archie Bunker, Edith, Meathead, Gloria. I always call him Meathead. His name was Michael. But All in the Family was the perfect example of not only the generation gap, but a lot of the attitudes of the older generation. All in the Family came out in 72, I think it was. And it exemplified so much of the difference between the generations. You see some of that in Sanford and Son as well. Older generation, younger generation, different attitudes. But any of those shows from the late 60s, early 70s, they emphasize and outright mention the generation gap numerous times to show you how different the world was between the way it used to be and the way it is now, meaning the 70s. The generation gap was a focal point of so many shows. As I said, it still exists. There's still a difference in the way the generations view the world. I think it was just so pronounced, so profound, so significant in the 60s and the 70s that it generated a name, the generation gap. But if you're watching shows from the 60s and the 70s, you'll see it. You'll see it referenced, and you'll see it emphasized in a lot of plot points. Now, there's a lot of stuff that shows up in the TV shows from the 60s and the 70s that is kind of political, is kind of a social commentary. But one of the things that happened in the late 60s, early 70s, that struck home to me was the cool car. I know cars are not really political. I mean, they can be. But in the U.S., cars have always been important just as a means of getting around. But the cool car came into being in the late 60s. Ford introduced the Mustang in 1965, probably one of the coolest cars around. I mean, they had the Thunderbird before that, which was kind of cool. And Chevy had the Corvette from the 50s, and the Corvette was really cool. But the Mustang was a car that everybody could afford, that was prevalent everywhere, and that you saw featured on TV shows all of the time. The movie Bullet, for instance, one of the best examples of a Mustang featured in a movie. But you had the Mustang. Chevy came out with a Camaro, which was the answer to the Mustang. Dodge came out with a Charger, another two-door sports car. 
and the cool cars started coming out. And we got this vibe that the cool people had the cool cars. I mean, if you look back at the TV shows from the 50s, Leave it to Beaver, Donna Reed, everybody had cars, but they weren't like cool cars. They were just like a Packard or a DeSoto. Those old boxy sedans that look like every other car on the road. I mean, of course, there was differences, but there's a huge difference between a Packard and a Mustang. And so cool cars became a thing. You had Mannix with his Charger. You had Starsky with the Gran Torino. Now, the Gran Torino by itself was not really a cool-looking car, but when you jack up the back, paint it candy apple red, put that white racing stripe on it, oh, does that become a cool car? So the heroes would own the cool cars, and that would make you want to have a cool car too. One of the coolest cars ever for me, aside from Starsky's Torino, which I've talked about at length in another episode of the podcast, a TV show called The Magician. He had a white Corvette. I still can see that white Corvette in my dreams. 1973 white Corvette. The last year that Chevy made that Corvette with a tail that swooped up at the back like that. That was a cool car. Then there was Jim Rockford with his Firebird. Now, Jim Rockford was cool in a different way. He was cool in a laid-back kind of way. Because Rockford didn't have the Trans Am. Pontiac put out the Firebird. And it put out the Trans Am, which was a variation of the Firebird. And yes, I've spent far too much time looking into this. But that's because I owned a Firebird at one point. Yes, I did. I bought a Firebird because Jim Rockford had a Firebird. One of the many cars I've owned in my life was a 1983 Firebird. And man, that car was cool. But the difference between the Firebird and the Trans Am was the Trans Am was too showy. It had the T-top where you could pull the panels off, which, you know, I didn't care about that. It had that flaming Firebird painted on the hood. I didn't care about that. The Firebird itself was just cool looking. It had sleek lines, a cool interior, a just big enough engine. So when I was able to put my hands on a used Firebird, oh, I got one because it was cool. Low-key cool, but cool. But that's an idea that TV from the 60s and the 70s and the 80s put into your head just as a regular TV viewer. Cool cars were important. And to this day, I try to drive cool cars. And you can thank TV for that attitude. There's obviously a lot more I could talk about as far as TV goes. There are so many things that happened in television when I was growing up. And I've talked about the TV tropes that we used to have that we really don't have anymore because society has changed so much. But I wanted to touch on this stuff today because I still watch some of the old TV shows. I also watch the new TV shows. And I like to see the differences between the generations. But I also like to see what's important in TV shows now versus what was important in TV shows when I was growing up. It gives me a little perspective on the way the world has changed and what's important now and what was important then. And I do see some similarities and I also see some major differences. I could do a whole episode on TV as a commentary on society, and maybe I will. But I wanted to mention it here so you could take a look too. Take a look at some of those old shows. But when you watch your new shows, take a look at what they're featuring as what's important in the world. Because that's what's going to form your attitudes for when you're older. I know because that's what it did for me. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. As always, I appreciate your support, and I appreciate you taking the time to give me some of your time. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.